Do you ever feel vulnerable, unhealthy? Do you feel like you struggle with comparisons or competitiveness? Do you regularly face off with your own identity, your insecurity, or feeling inadequacy? We're going to talk about that today on The Brave Hearted Woman. Hey, Brave Hearted Sister, thank you so much for being a part of The Brave Hearted Woman podcast and this segment, Brave Hearted Stories. The purpose of this podcast segment is to share your heroic story of bravery so that others can draw strength from you. Now, before you say, oh, wait, wrong girl, I disagree. We're all having a human journey here in this fallen world. And let's be honest, we've all faced times that we needed to be like Joshua of old, be strong and courageous. So you had to find your brave at some point in your life. It was bravery that got you out of depression as you walked through that dark season. When your child opted out of a relationship with you, you had to be brave. You had to be brave when you learned how to podcast, when you wrote your book, when you told your story, when you went through that devastating divorce, when you made that hard decision, when you came up with a, no, I can't do it, when you lost all that weight, whatever your story is, I could go on and on. And so in this podcast segment, though, we certainly want to celebrate you and talk about all the accolades and all the highlights of our life, I also want to take our listener into the shadowy parts of our life because what comes from the heart touches their heart. And so when you had to choose to believe God, even though you wanted to give up, when you had to face another day and keep going, even when you wanted to lay in bed and pull the covers over your head, or when you were so afraid you couldn't hardly face yourself in the mirror or when you had to draw those boundaries or do those hard, brave things, whatever it is, those are the parts of the story that I want to tell. So before we have the thrill of victory, there is an agony of defeat. There is a valley season for us. So let's not over-spiritualize it when you come on the podcast. Don't be afraid to be raw to your level of comfort, of course. But my audience, they're you. They're right where you were. They're where you are. And they need to find courage. That's why they're listening to this short podcast episode. So give me some interview questions that help us go deep. Give me a short bio of yourself, a great picture of yourself, and let's do this thing. This is an on-camera interview, so make sure you got your hair and your makeup how you want it for the watching world to see. Make sure you have good light in front of you so that we can clearly see you and you're not silhouetted. Good microphone is always helpful. Let's capture your story. It's worthy to be told. To God be the glory. Let's share it with the brave-hearted sisterhood. Thank you. Hey, welcome all you amazing, wonderful, brave-hearted sisters. Good to be with you again today. My guest today is an author, a podcaster, a speaker, and she writes about messy faith, shaking off shame and pursuing God's purpose with confidence. That is a favorite word for us on the brave hearted woman. She's a wife, a mom, and she admits that she reads too many books and she loves decaf coffee. Would you please welcome to the brave hearted woman, my guest today, Jen Schultz. Hi, Jen. Hi. Hi, Dawn. Hi, everybody listening. So great to be here. Thank you. It's good to have you here today. I'm so intrigued by your book because regardless of what age that we are, I believe that this is an issue called humanity, the human race. Mm. Sometimes we do. We struggle with insecurity 
and we struggle with our identity. That's mm -hmm. part of the human race. Talk to me about your new book. It's called, She's Not Your Enemy, Conquering Our Insecurities So We Can Build God's Kingdom Together. You don't struggle with insecurity and comparisons, do you? No, everybody else does. That's why I wrote the book. <laughs> oh gosh, no. I've struggled with comparison for a long time. And I would get frustrated because I'd hear that phrase. You probably heard it. Comparison is the thief of joy. And I would hear it and think, well, if I knew how to stop comparing, then of course, like I would be happy and I would stop and I'd be happy and it would be great. And I got so frustrated with that. I just felt like there has to be more to it. And so I started digging and I realized that the issue was not the comparison and the issue was not the other woman. The issue had so much more to do with me and with my own insecurities and with questions that were deep and meaningful and important, like, am I loved? Am I valuable? Do I have a purpose? And I was asking those questions of other women, really. I was looking at them and saying, you know, she's got this, she's doing that. You know, if I could keep up with her, then I would be worthy. If God gave me all of those same things, then maybe he that would prove that he loved me as much as her. And so I realized that instead of making this comparison issue about the other woman, I really had to go back and answer these questions with God and really dive in deep with him. That's really an amazing insight. You know, a lot of people don't get to that till they're late in life. And that's a message that God let you kind of wrangle with early in life. You're saying it came down to just feeling like if you could embrace God's love and know mm -hmm. his love for you, that some of these feeling of inadequacy or not enough, or mm -hmm. if someone else is really succeeding well, then that means I'm feeling left out. It was mm -hmm. God's love part of the anecdote for all this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I really had this perspective of God. I, you know, I grew up learning about him and I really feel like I was established in a lot of ways with, with great scriptures, with great insight about who God was. But something I really misunderstood was that I really thought he was disappointed with me constantly. I felt like I just was not doing well enough ever. <laughs> so I'd read a scripture and I would think, oh, God's saying that directly to me. Mm -hmm. And just feel this pressure of always having to do better for God. And I kind of went through this breakdown period several years ago where I just couldn't do it anymore. Like I couldn't pretend like I had it all together as this good Christian woman, but inside just feeling so inferior and so inadequate for God. It all kind of came together. I had some panic attacks and just, mm -hmm. you know, I remember being at church one Sunday and feeling like everybody was just staring at me and I had to get up and leave. And it was a postpartum season for me. So that absolutely had a factor in it, but it all came together and I was like, something's got to give. And so I started talking to a biblical counselor. I started getting really gut level honest with some respected friends in my life. And they kept pointing me back to the scriptures and saying, is that really who God is? Is that really what he's saying about you, that you need to do better, that you're a mess and he'll love you when you get to a certain point. And those things weren't true. I kept going back to the scriptures and seeing, wow, love is who he is. Compassion is who he is. He gets down on our level. He removes every barrier that gets in the way just to be with us. Like that is who God is not, you know, this demanding boss who's always looking at his watch and shaking his head at me. So that changed everything. It really did free me up so much to be able to look at myself and look at others differently.
I think so many other people struggle with that same thing. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know how it was for you. And maybe you can speak to this, but often we view God the same way that we've viewed a caretaker, a parent, an authority mm-hmm. figure. And if we felt somehow, if we learned at an early age that what was expected of us was perfectionism, what was expected of us was to toe the line, or even Mm -hmm. if there was some sibling rivalry and we said, oh, "Oh, I have to outperform them. They look like they're getting all kinds of accolades and I feel left out. Don't you think, and maybe this was your experience, I don't know, but did you learn perfectionism or performance at a young age? Do you feel, can you Mm. trick back and say, or my temperament, I just had to feel like I was winning. Where do you think that came from? Oh gosh. I mean, I have always really cared so much about what people think. And that's been a motivating factor for me for so long. I remember, I don't feel like, I feel like I, you know, I grew up in a Christian household. My parents were amazing, are amazing, but I definitely grew up in a community, in a church community where if you did the right thing, that was applauded and that was, you know, held up and boosted up. So the more I got the applause, the more I thought, oh, well, if I do the right thing, if I, if I toe the line, I did it at school as well. I remember going to school uh, in kindergarten the first day, and there was a prize for the person who was the best behaved. So I worked really hard and I got it that day. And I was so thrilled. I brought home my prize. You know, I showed my mom and the next day I didn't win the prize and I was devastated. I was like, what did I do wrong that I didn't get this prize today? And my mom was like, it's not about that. (laughs) It's not about you winning every day. And so it, it, it really was something... I feel like hardwired in me that I wanted to please people. I wanted to be the one that came out on top and was the best and won the prizes. And so honestly was a lot of factors, but was deeply ingrained in me for sure. Those are all the qualities and I can see them. I have a lot of grandchildren and I can see some of those qualities in some of the younger kids, even as we, you know, as you're talking about that. And I do think that's kind of the perfect storm. I think it is environment. Mm -hmm. I think yep. that's, you know, unfortunately, and I love the local church, but unfortunately that can be one of those unforeseen consequences that we are teaching young people. Like you have to live this way. You have to do this. You have to line mm-hmm. up school, same. Mm-hmm. And then you yep. see it also in their temperament. I can see in some of my mm-hmm. grandkids, like you're saying, like there's the competitive right. one. There's the one that it's wants fair. to <laughs> And it's just the motivational, it's the drivers, Mm -hmm. you know, we have these human drivers and people pleasing can be one of them, those accolades. But you talk about this in your book a little bit. And you said, you know, if there's one thing that I hope that readers will take away from this book, Mm -hmm. you know, they'll see that the other woman is not the enemy. They'll see that this comparison and looking at others is not what you're up against, but that Mm -hmm. there is an enemy. Absolutely. Talk to us. I mean, we got to learn the nature and character of God, but must we also recognize the nature of the enemy? Yeah, absolutely. Paul talks about this, just that our battle is not against flesh and blood. And I think that startled me when I really stopped to think about it. Like there are so many people in my life who feel like they I'm at odds with, whether I'm trying to be better than them or I'm trying to be all together. They're trying to be all together and I don't feel like I can fit in with them. The woman who doesn't believe, the woman who disagrees with me, I can feel like 
I need to put on my armor and I need to fight her. But the more I looked in the scriptures, God has wired us for community. He didn't wire us to be against each other and to be battling each other all the time. He really has uh, created us to be a body and to work together for his glory and for to build his kingdom. And the more scriptures I looked at, you know, even spiritual armor and how we need to put on the spiritual armor of God against the devil's schemes. It's not against each other. It's not to protect ourselves and protect our hearts against each other. It's to protect us from the devil and to fight him. So it's so much more of a spiritual battle than it is kind of our worldly perspective. And I really had to get out of that headspace and get back into, well, what's Satan trying to orchestrate here? The lies of you're alone, nobody understands. The lie of it's her versus you. The lie of scarcity. If she has something and you don't, it's a threat to you. All of those lies are from him. They're not from each other. Right. That's powerful. That scarcity mindset is something that I Mm -hmm. talk about as well in my book. I'm sure. Because that's one of those things that if we believe that, we will continue to struggle. If someone is getting Mm -hmm. blessed, then there's not enough left for me. How Mm -hmm. much do we shrink the possibilities and the immensity of God when we believe that? Yeah, we put him in this little box and we make it out to be like this pie that she gets a big slice. I only get this little. It's not about that, but it's so easy to believe it. It really is in our culture. And I like what you're saying, you know, we are three-part beings. We're made in the image of Mm -hmm. God. So we're body, soul, and spirit. And Mm -hmm. the totality of who we are, there are things that are spiritual that in nature, like this could be a spiritual battle, this insecurity, this fear that of not being enough, this thievery of your identity, definitely Mm -hmm. safe. But you also talked about your hormones and that's physical. Mm -hmm. That was out of whack. And I went through the same thing. I had panic Mm -hmm. attacks and some depression in my thirties. And it was my post-traumatic stress when I first Mm -hmm. realized that it was finally coming out. Mm -hmm. But what about that physical piece? Because we can feel this rejection and it's so Mm -hmm. strong and that feeling that we're not doing something right How do you deal with painful feelings of rejection? I mean, I remember, you know, at the time there were people who did say to me, you know, just make a choice, just get over it. Mm, Right. Yeah. (laughs) We're very quick to fix, right? Especially I feel like in the church and Christian communities, we're very quick to like, well, let's get over it so we can be faithful and keep going about the mission. And something that I find really amazing about God is he cares about all of those aspects of us because he created all of them. Like you said, we have body, soul, and spirit, and they're all intertwined. Specifically with rejection, like you said, something I found in my research was that when we feel rejected, it goes along the same, if I can say this right, it goes along the same neural pathways as physical pain. So we feel it. It's like that gut punch when you see that picture online of all the girls that got together without you, you know, it's that, that tension and the tightness in your chest and all of that feels real because it's real. You feel it. Physical pain is very real. And it actually, I mean, isolation has physical ramifications, you know, not having those close connections actually leads to, it can lead to an earlier death. It can lead to heart problems. It can lead to all these things. It's interesting how now the attorney general is saying that loneliness is an epidemic. Like they're calling it 
an epidemic because it's affecting us physically. It's just crazy how all of these things are intertwined. And the Bible already said that, like the Bible has already told us all of this, that all of these things are intertwined and God cares about all of them. But we can tend to see it as, oh, that's an isolated issue. Like, why am I having panic attacks? Like, I'm fine. Everything's fine. You know, like, why would I be doing that? But like you said, there was something underneath that was going on and it, it really is all interconnected. Um, so it's important to know that God cares about all of those things. I think that's interesting and that's important for us to know. That's important for us to know that God isn't rejecting us, but we know, like, I like what you're saying, like that rejection is so real. It's not just made up in your head. You're having right. a biological experience when you're feeling that rejection. And I yeah. think that tendency is to pull back and isolate or become angry if we're feeling that rejection, you suggest some habit. What do we do? Are there any mm-hmm. habits that you would recommend or behaviors or actions that we sh- should take if we're battling that rejection? Gosh, I feel like a huge thing is just to get off social media. I know like we say it and we know it in our heads, but sometimes we just so easily, like my thumb will just press the button before I even realize it. And I'm scrolling through and looking at these curated pictures of people's lives where you know, I feel I like rejected real. because I see people, exactly. I see people, you know, hanging out without me, or I see, you know, those girls went on a girl's trip without me. I feel rejected or, you know, these people have different opinions of me. I feel like we're at odds now, or, you know, just all of these things that we feed, we keep feeding that kind of monster. And sometimes we just have to take a break. We got to put the phone away, maybe set timers in your day where you can't access your social media, take a day off. I'm going to take a social media sabbatical soon. I'm really excited about that because, you know, in in doing what we do, there's a lot of social media involved. It'll be nice to just take a step back, but it really does. It affects your brain more than you know. And I feel like we're still only discovering how much social media is affecting our brain. So if you're feeling that rejection and you're feeling a lot of comparison, that would be a good place to look at. But I think also just making sure that you are working out your heartbreak with God one-on-one, allowing him to meet you where you are in this rejection. And also, if you feel rejected, turn around and maybe invite some other people in. (laughs) Maybe this is an opportunity for you to look around and see who else is rejected, who else is feeling like they're lonely and they're left out. Maybe I can be the one to be the turning point for them. Maybe there's a relationship here that God is opening the door for that I never expected, but it came out of this other rejection. So I would encourage you maybe to look at all of those things if you're struggling with that as a listener right now. Yes, so many great points that you're bringing up right now. And yes, to the social media. I mean, it's just absolutely, especially post-pandemic, post-COVID. We isolate is the perfect setup for a trigger for anyone who struggles with this area of comparison and insecurity, because you want to talk about a group of depressed people Mm. scrolling through and seeing, you know, like we said, the highlight reel, all the wonderful things, the staged events of people's Mm -hmm. lives. They're not really present. They're looking, they're living their life through the lens, but, and so there's this whole generation, but then people get arguing Mm -hmm. on Facebook too. Mm-hmm. And the conversations. And so I love that you're saying, you know what, just put an end to it. And right. especially <laughs> my podcast is listened to a lot by a wonderful group of women authors mm-hmm. and speakers and mm-hmm. those of us who are in this industry. And that's a good reminder for mm-hmm. all of us as well 
that mm-hmm. let's not get caught up in what someone else is doing. Be obedient yeah, to your call, run your race, keep your eyes on your prize that God has for you and what you're to be doing and collaborate. Yes, yeah. we're in this together. I just recently launched a book and I was so blessed, Jen, by mm-hmm. all of the ladies that were on the book launch team pulling yeah, absolutely. Up. What a blast that was to join in the sisterhood. So I hope you had the That's same amazing. kind of. It did for sure. Uh, it, 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 <laughs> for that sure. was a fabulous team. That's awesome. That's exhilarating, yeah, isn't it? It is. Oh what God, else yeah. about your book? I want to refresh our minds here as we're talking about the title. She's not your enemy conquering our insecurities so we can build God's kingdom together. Are there any other tips about conquering our insecurities that you want to make sure that we catch today? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I shared about how I was kind of in this space of not seeing God very clearly and not seeing him very truthfully. And so what I needed to do is I really needed to address the lies that had taken up space in my mind with truth. And so what I've been encouraging people to do is just to fill yourself up with scriptures about God and who he says you are. Write them on post-it notes and put them around your house. Put them on your mirror, (laughs) wherever you need to do it to actually just start replacing those lies with truth because it's an amazing thing speaking about, you know, the brain and the body and neural pathways and all of that. It's an amazing thing that we can actually transform our minds depending on what we feed them. So we can go from a lot of toxic thinking to a much healthier pattern of thinking. And there are so many books on that, but you know what? It goes back to the Bible. The Bible says we can be renewed (laughs) in our minds because of God and that we can be transformed. We don't have to stay stuck in these toxic thoughts. And so, but we actually have to like do the active work of feeding them with healthy thoughts and replacing them with spiritual truths and biblical truths so that we're prepared for when those times come. And I know some of my favorite scriptures are uh, Romans 8, just the whole chapter, (laughs) Psalm 103. Those are some scriptures that work for me. And even a great identity check is Ephesians 1. If you're feeling like, who am I and who am I to God and who am I to other people? Look through that scripture and just know that God says that you are chosen, that you are loved, you are valuable, that we're adopted into his family because that brought him joy. That made him happy to want to include you in his family and include you at his table. And so I so encourage you to do that. Hold on to those scriptures. Make sure that you are, again, working out your heartbreak with God. I know there are times when we see other women who have what we want and we're still waiting. And uh, I know I went through, I share about it in the book, but I went through a season of infertility where, you know, my friends would be sharing that they were pregnant and I was so excited Mm -hmm. for them. But there was another part of me that was just hurting and devastated just because I didn't know what my story was going to look like. I didn't know what the answers were at the time. And it became such a time of just wrestling to surrender to God and continue to bring things to him. And uh, it made such a difference just to actually go through that time. I can now say that I'm out of it, but it was such a great time of developing a stronger relationship with God because I had to keep going back to him and wrestling with him through this. And then just encouraging you to pray for the women around you, be connected to them, talk to them, be vulnerable with them, hear their stories and continue to pray for them and cheer them on. That makes a huge difference in how you look at them. It has to be an active thing in your life to be able to make it a pattern and a habit. Yes. 
I agree with those things. Those are powerful and to withhold judgment. Sometimes when we meet someone, we're just so quick Absolutely. to make those judgments there and think Absolutely. that and I can't tell you how many times in life where maybe I had kind of a, hmm, I'm not sure about that person. They've ended up being one of my closest friends, you know, strong right. women sometimes, Absolutely. you know, that we struggle with those so friends. But this has been so incredibly delightful and I'm so thankful Listen, for you who are with us today, do you know who your heavenly father is? Do you know the love that he has for you? Do you know that there's enough in God's kingdom and that you are enough? God has a special anointing, calling, place, and purpose for you. And that's not just a cliche. That's a reality. Finally, ending this with the word shalom. It's coming to mind, and I know that you write about it. It means God's mm. peace, but it also mm. means something more. In closing, can you just share your thoughts about that for us? Well, I, again, grew up going to church and had this perspective of peace that it was all about not fighting. Don't fight. Don't argue. Don't make waves. You know, we can all be status quo and be okay. And I actually heard a sermon on this topic a couple of years ago, you know, right in the middle of the pandemic and just lots of social issues going on. And the word shalom was brought up and it just was so much more of a wonderful, like fulfilling meaning that I ever knew. It's so much more about our well-being, physical, mental, spiritual, in community with others and being reconciled with God. And it just changed my whole perspective to know that that is what God wants for us. He doesn't just want us to get along and be friendly with each other. He wants us to be well and whole. And that's what he desires for you. It's what he desires for me. And just knowing that about God makes me feel like it's like a big hug for me <laughs> that that's what he wants for us. So I hope that's an encouraging thing to the people who are listening today. I believe that it will be an encouragement. Receive that hug today. The peace of God mm -hmm. be upon you. And you know, even as Jesus spoke peace amidst the turmoil of the storm and the raging waters, life about us is crazy, but that peace is ours. The name of the book once again is She's Not Your Enemy, Conquering Our Insecurities So We Can Build God's Kingdom Together. My guest today, Jen Schultz, and you can find her at the website, Jen Schultz Author. Dot com and all of her social media handles will be available on our show notes. Thank you, Jen, for being with us. Amazing. Thank you, Dawn. It was and so great to chat with you. Thank you. I pray your book will take wings and fly all over the universe, wherever God will have it go, and that Amazing. the right people will grab on to that. Thank you for your book. And hey, I'm going to leave you like I always do, you wonderful, amazing women. Take this to heart. Get this book. Make sure that if this is an area that you become brave to face head on the fears that you might be experiencing, God's called us to freedom. And I think it's time for you to find your brave and live your dreams. Thanks for hanging out with me today and becoming brave. If this has helped you, be sure to share it with someone and subscribe so you never have to miss another episode. For more about me, my books, my coaching, or online courses, visit DawnDamon.com. And as always, be brave and live your vision.